Hi, I'm Deanna. And I'm Ben. Welcome to Filmscape, a movie reviewing podcast. Today, we're reviewing Antlers, a new supernatural horror film starring Jesse Plemons and Carrie Russell. Julia Meadows, played by Russell, is a middle school teacher in rural Oregon who has moved in with her brother Paul in the house where they grew up after the death of their estranged abusive father. A student of Meadows, Lucas, shows signs of neglect and disturbing behavior at home, which becomes apparent is related to an ancient creature of the woods from Native American folklore. What is storytelling? Storytelling started with our indigenous people. Can anyone give me an example of a myth or a story they're afraid of? Lucas. What's going on? We found a part of a man in the woods today. Part of a man? I guess the other half was found in the mine. All this has got to be an animal, right? No animal I've ever seen. Ben, what were your thoughts about Antlers? I thought this movie was a creepy, weird, unsettling good time. I'm not in my head. Yeah. Not quite what I expected. Much more dark and just like grimy than I thought. This portrays rural Oregon as a truly dangerous rundown place at least this town it's a beautiful state but uh in this town it's gray and run down and there's a big cave with a creature in it and meth labs yeah <laughs> so it's definitely it's, it's a gritty movie actually i shouldn't be surprised because this movie was made by scott cooper who is a talented filmmaker i've seen almost all of his movies i'm not crazy about any of them but they're all good I think the most famous one is probably Black Mass, the Whitey Bulger biopic starring Johnny Depp. And that movie is like all about Johnny Depp's performance. He is really great. By far the best Johnny Depp movie in many, many years. But he mostly makes, I think, westerns and indie dramas. They're very serious. So um, this is a full-on horror movie. And boy, it's, uh, it's pretty nasty in places. I definitely enjoyed it. It's not for the faint of heart. Yeah, the tone of this movie is kind of weird. It's like... I agree. It's definitely not a mainstream monster movie that everyone could go see and it's fun. It's very solemn. It's very adult, slow paced. And this movie's been getting pretty mixed reviews, mixed to positive. One thing I see a number of people say, both reviewers and just normal viewers, is that they either say that there's not enough scares, there's not enough creature the creature doing stuff and being on screen which i do not agree with there's plenty of that and that it introduces all these big serious themes that aren't really followed through on they, they, it doesn't really say a whole lot i partially agree with those sentiments i think this movie is at its best when it's 
focused on the characters, and I think it, it mainly does that. It feels pretty small-scale and personal. It tries to deal with these psychological angles of Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons and what this kid is going through. I don't know, it's all very, like, dreary and bleak. I'm glad this movie isn't any longer than it is. Yeah. Because it would be a real drag to sit through for it, much longer. It felt long, even though it was not. Yeah. I was consistently engaged, but it would be a bit of a slog to sit through for much longer than its nice, brisk 90 minutes. Guillermo del Toro produced this film. He's been producing a good amount lately, and you can find some good stuff if you look at his producer credits. If you've already gone through everything that he's directed... And this reminds me a bit of something he would make or the other things he produced, like it fits in with those. But I think it's kind of missing that heart, the humanity that you get where he's so good at blending in emotional drama elements with supernatural, paranormal, weird subject matter, like a fish man, a creature from the Black Lagoon having a romance with a mute woman in the 50s and Pan's Labyrinth. This sort of falls into line with those kinds of things, or Mama, what, what he produced. But like I said, this one really is gritty and gray, and there's not a whole lot of optimism or heart the way those do. Those really have this almost like childlike wonder, if that makes sense, with this horrific story. Yeah, I mean, this movie is filled with lots of childhood trauma and dread, not wonder and joy. This film, even when it considers the mysticism of the Wendigo, which is, I believe, an Algonquin creature, if it was a Guillermo movie, it wouldn't... You would be fascinated by the creature, but there would still be this connection. I feel like the connection between the main character and that creature would be different. This movie just feels so depressing for the sake of portraying poverty and substance use, the abuse of substances in general, and people making their own drugs. It just feels very, as you mentioned, like kind of like hopeless. And there are moments when there is the feeling of, okay, well, there's hope for this child, Lucas. But with the theme of the movie, it feels like even the ending feels like the the opportunity for it to be focused on that childlike experience or child experience gets overshadowed by it trying to be a scary movie and it trying to make you think, has the scary thing actually gone away? A lot of movies like to keep that element of the danger has been... Our characters have overcome has, the yeah, threat. It has been, yeah, it has been beaten and everyone is okay. And then it's And then there's that moment where you're like, wait, but is it? And this movie does that. And I feel like it's, yeah, it kind of keeps with that theme of scary movies. But I think, again, it doesn't feel like... This isn't a movie made by Guillermo del Toro, but it feels... It still missed the opportunity for people who really like him to come away with more positive remarks about it. I'm just mentioning Guillermo del Toro because he produced it. You know, he didn't write or direct it. But when someone gets a producer credit, especially a big name like a Best Picture winner like him, right. he has a lot of power and he really knows what he's doing. So you don't know how much creative control he had, if any. Maybe he didn't at all. So we can't know that for sure. But I'm just saying it does come across like a Guillermo del Toro type movie. Also, yeah. another helpful comparison might be Mike Flanagan. I mm. think he's someone else who's 
especially with his three Netflix series now, he's really skillful at blending supernatural horror, committing to that, with maybe mature emotional depth really being character-driven. I think that takes a lot of skill and intelligence, creativity, to work in the horror genre and really tell a meaningful story that's not just jump scares or everyone gets horribly murdered one by one and then everyone just dead at the end and that's it. It all depends on the kind of movie you're making. Everyone can die at the end and you can maybe get something out of it. I don't know. But with the way this movie unfolded, it was so bleak and it was a lot more graphic than I thought. And I liked that. And it wasn't gratuitous. It was actually, if anything, it was mostly like after the fact Kind of like Seven. For some reason, this movie reminded me of Seven with just like super disturbing the crime scenes. Like you see everything afterward. That's a lot of what this movie is. It's not like in your face, like showing you what the monster is doing when he's eating someone or whatever. But you sure see a lot of other stuff. The point is that given how skillfully made this was and how much I enjoyed it, I do think the plot was reaching for trying to address these deeper themes, really trying to be psychological and interesting by being very character-driven. Because it is, a lot of it is a slow build-up with occasional bursts of monster, disgusting time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The creature does something else, or now it's doing this, and it's getting worse. I liked that suspense. But I don't know if it's because of the runtime, or Scott Cooper just likes to make very just bleak, gritty stories that it doesn't really have that satisfying emotional part to it, along with all the great horror elements. Yeah, I mean, I also, I think that what kind of made me a little, I mean, I know that, yes, it's supposed to be a theme, but it feels kind of like it missed a little bit of the opportunity was the way that it addresses substance use and and people living in an impoverished area where there's, you know, the mines that are closed down. People, it just seems very, one of those towns where like the level of education of its residents, it gives you that vibe like it's not there. Something is going on with Lucas. These drawings belong to a student of mine. This is what was in the mine. It's a diabolical spirit. Excuse me, this is a myth. For you, yeah. It's a very impoverished town. Right. You probably could address something about it with middle America being forgotten over time and the grip of substance abuse and the rise of methamphetamine use, of opiate use. I mean, the, the fact that a main character is running a meth lab and he's a father of these innocent little kids and he ends up being possessed by the Wendigo. You, you gradually learn this kid, Lucas, he's going to school every day, but he's going home to this horrific rundown house where the father is this vessel for the creature and he's living with the other younger son and him. It, it's very much like Mama the movie with Jessica Chastain, where the family and mama was a lot more... Together. Yeah, a lot more together. Well, it was it was like sort of an adoption situation, right. I remember, with the two little kids. But it's like the little kids have this connection to the creature, which brought this odd childlike fairy tale element innocence because the creature in that movie was friendly with the children and wanted to be with them. There's none of that in this movie. In this, it's just threat. It's like, 
Lucas is in danger. He knows what's going on is really messed up. Lucas is malnourished. He's only 11 or 12. And gradually, Julia and Paul, they're dealing with their own issues. Julia's confronting her own childhood abuse by being back in this town after so long and trying to make peace with that, talking to her brother, but also trying to investigate and figure out what's going on. Why is this student of mine malnourished? I mean, it's horrific. But also the stories he presents in, you know, his writing and story time in class is just so morbid and full of this, an essence of grief and sadness. He's drawing these disturbing, horrific yeah. monster pictures. And even just his own imagination and thought processes of, he ends up being the provider even though he's in middle school. That's such a depressing thing. I mean, one thing I thought about with this film was that it's almost like the Wendigo is a representation of the grip and fear that we as people have during this time of people just the epidemic of substance use and just how it takes its toll and can touch so many people. It creates this level of terror and then it starts to kill more and more people in suspicious waves. I think of it in a way like, kind of like that, but I also think of the Wendigo as just this other representation of a figure of this mysterious figure that luckily Julia believes exists, but her brother Paul does not because it's this legend, not a confirmed living creature. She's confronting more of it because she's a lot more persistent with like she goes to lucas's house and she sees some weird things and all the stuff that he knows and writes about she finds out about the legend of the wendigo from a local native american who and, used to be the sheriff of the town I believe. right he kind of gives the backstory of it and which tells is, her which is where that line in a lot of the ads comes from where it's like but that's a legend like you don't believe that right <laughs> For you, yeah, like it may seem fake or not real, but for a group of people, it is. And it's something that through Julia's sense of urgency of wanting to get Lucas out of a situation that is negative and terrible because she understands what it's like to have trauma. That's why she fights so hard to try to make sure that he is safe, even when it seems like a teacher is doing too much. Part of it is her trying to say, I don't want this trauma, even if it's different from my own, to follow another child, especially one that seems just like they're being abandoned and they have no one. She just has bad vibes throughout the film and she just ends up being confirmed every time that she's right. Yeah, I mean, I guess she would be the heart of the story, her or Lucas that's where that more human connection comes from but the wendigo is just so relentless and crazy and evil that it just it, it does just like weigh on everything which i think was pretty effective for a really tense atmosphere it's a native american legend that other sheriff would know about it he's there to be able to tell the legend and they find out how they could maybe kill it finally um because it's been this ancient evil and it's very like stephen king um mm. they have the mines in the town but yet people are not allowed to go down there because that's where it lives. well i know i know people are not allowed to go down there and then there's a certain section of it that gets sectioned off because people have placed i'm assuming it's native americans have put these different bags to ward away the wendigo from coming into the mainland i don't know if there's really been any great wendigo movies 
I'm guessing not. There's probably a lot of direct-to-video ones that have been made over the years. I think this is a pretty high-quality yeah. Wendigo horror movie. If you've ever wanted to watch that, this is a no-nonsense I mean, I, what I like about it is that it dares to take this legend... It treats it seriously. Yes, it treats it seriously. It's, and it's not stupid. There's no dumb, annoying characters saying ridiculous things. I can't stand in horror movies where there's just this out-of-place comic relief character. I also love the way that this film shows the evolution of the Wendigo in a person. And yeah. the that part of it is, is, is it possesses a person, makes them alien-like and no longer human. It's like a big husk of their body. Well, yeah, that goes away. And it's this new creature that has antlers and wants to feast on blood. It's like the alien in Ridley Scott's alien movies where, in the X-Files, it happens in that too, where those are both about alien creatures, but it's the same principle where it's growing inside you almost like a baby. Well, yeah, because you're the host. Yeah, you're the host. It's like a parasite, basically. But in this, it's like the whole body. I don't know. That was the the most disturbing stuff in the movie. I was like, wow. But also the premise is that the Wendigo will, in trying to become stronger, it wants to just eat flesh and people. And Lucas is trying to get by by feeding his father, who becomes the Wendigo, animal carcasses, because, you know, he's young and he doesn't know how to obtain meat. But he's trying to feed it because he knows that even as part Wendigo, part man, that it's his dad. So he's just trying to do his best. But I feel like when I make that comment about poverty and, you know, substance use and things like that, is that it just makes you the husk of the person you used to be. And that's part of what this movie is trying to convey is just, again, how severe the effects are all around the violence, the poverty, which I do appreciate that it's effective in that it could have been better about addressing more about the mysticism, more about the First Nation aspect of the Wendigo, because that seems like it's explained for a moment and we get that context but then after that, it's kind of like, okay, well, here is Carrie Russell's Julia trying to save the day. I guess I just wish that there was more more of the presence of Native American, that knowledge being given. We could have had a little bit more of that, and it only comes for a second. It's effective. Yeah, it's an efficient movie. It doesn't really have any extraneous details or scenes. It's almost like a sequel bait ending which i right I, well that's I was, what i was saying is I the felt, danger gone not really we yeah I, I felt not to spoil it but it, it's not the most satisfying resolution i mean it mostly is i just would have liked a little bit of a different ending i thought it was a little bit too like typical horror well yeah uh, it feels too typical uh, horror but it also doesn't it just makes you feel like paul Julia, Lucas have dealt with so much trauma, so much sadness and darkness, and then you leave them with this possibility of more bad things happening. It's like, can't they just be happy, you know, or like have a moment to just live like normal people? But Uh, that is generally, I think, the message, though. The movie does mainly end up in a satisfying place for these people. And like, yes, there's all these themes and introspective character angles and and drama but it is 
pretty much just a monster movie. It's not long enough that it can address all these different things all the way through, whether it's, you know, substance abuse and childhood trauma or the nature of this town, the state of the environment, Native American folklore. It's all maybe a little too surface level if you're looking for something more ambitious and deep. It's a cool monster movie at the end of the day. That's really what you're going to get for the most part. And everything else is kind of like the icing on the cake. Right. He's not your responsibility. He has no one. He is my responsibility. He'll come for me. He needs me. He's here. Ben, would you recommend Antlers? Yes, I would. It's past Halloween now. But it's a very good movie to watch for Halloween. It's spooky, and it keeps you interested. It's pretty tense, a bit unrelenting in a way. Yeah. But, you know, it keeps it more suspenseful, and there's real actors in it. (laughs) And um, with some of the stuff they show in theaters these days, you're like, was this a scam? This should be in the red box. But no, this is a real movie. This is worth your time, I think, for the most part. So, yeah, it's, it's a lean, very good horror flick. It might even be my favorite movie by this filmmaker I've seen so far. If you're a horror fan, obviously, you should check this out. I'm with you there. Would you recommend it? Yeah. I would recommend it to, of course, horror fans, people who like spooky season all seasons, and, (laughs) you know, people who want to see beautiful mountains and skies of Oregon, but then sad, impoverished areas (laughs) with, with a fun monster running around. Oh, uh, yeah, it's just so fun. Fun so is the exact fun. word I would use to describe yes. it. Yes, a mysterious creature running around. It's a creature feature. It's a good one. Hi, Film Booze. If you want to contact us with any questions or comments or thoughts on the film, you can reach us at filmscaped at gmail.com. That's F-I-L-M-S-C-A-P-E-D at gmail.com. We have a website called filmscapepodcast.com. We also have an Instagram, at Filmscape Podcast, which you should definitely follow if you are not already. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe. On the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks.